Hello and welcome to our Kentucky Down special show for Sunday, September 10th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatow, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, joined by a man who's been very across Kentucky Downs this meet, as he is so many different meets across the country, you know, from the work he does over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, behind the mic at Sam Houston as well, many other places too. Nick Tamaro, what's going on, man? I'm doing great, my friend, uh, enjoying the brief respite from new york racing and ready to get that back going next week but still plenty plenty of exciting stuff going on luckily how much have you been uh, wagering on this kentucky downs meet are you are you able to do that in your current role uh no so i've not um but yeah i've i've been following and been keeping up with it and i think it's a probably a good thing that i'm not able to because it can be very very challenging very difficult uh, big fields and some kind of crazy results at times, but still obviously good opportunities for everybody out there, no doubt. You've been making the line. Has that been your, your role? Are you doing any other type of consulting for them? How's, how's that been That's going? correct. Yeah, I am making the morning line through our friends at Betmakers, and that has been a rather innervating task at times. <laughs> a little prep, I guess, for Keeneland, you could call it. And probably people out there thinking, well, you're so bad at Keeneland. How could you be any worse at Kentucky Downs, you know? just just how it goes is there an algorithm that helps you is it all manual i mean it's got to be so hard meets like keeneland and kentucky down so hard not that new york is easy but when the horses are coming from so many different places it i, I just imagine that adds a adds a wrinkle that how, how manual is it how computerized is it it's a hundred percent manual at this point so okay that's yeah i think by design in the future it could have a component that uh, that has a, some algorithm type uh influence but yeah it's old school uh, at, at this stage and that makes it tough i mean there's no denying it it's it's figuring out you know the different class lines and and different jurisdictions that horses are coming from that's really the that's the nature of the challenge the other part of it is that you know you're and i think the the thing that makes morning lines morning line making even more difficult is that you know you take a place like this that at times could have 120 horses running and it's due the following morning after draw day. So, and, and a lot of times that's five days out or so. So for example, I mean, I had done three lines before they had run one day. Right. Right. And I didn't know anything about who was hot, who was not, who was getting bet, who wasn't, you know, so on and so forth. And so I just, and, and I'm not a big, I'm not a big excuse guy, but I think that the best thing for people to remember is that the morning line is not something that's etched in stone. It's not something that's spoken from the rooftops. It's my, my thought on what, how people are going to bet. Yeah. It's a guess, an educated guess. Yes. But that's a great point about who's hot, who's not. I mean, at this point in the meet, are we expecting Brendan Walsh runners to catch more money because of how well he's been doing? I don't really know if the crowd reacts that strongly, but it's not necessarily even information that you have when days in advance, you're making a line. Right. Right. I thought they did on Thursday. I mean, I thought his horses took a, a heap of money, um, much more than I expected. And and so I think that I think that that's probably something that'll continue. He's a popular trainer to begin with. So um, and for and for example, on opening opening week or so opening weekend, it felt to me like Jonathan Thomas was getting bet off the board. Another popular trainer, another successful trainer, high percentage. So, you know, when guys like that are, are taking money and their horses are running well, you know, you, and you have, you couldn't see it at all. 
um, it's going to look worse. It's it's going to look bad. And, and, you know, I don't need a lot of help looking bad. <laughs> it can start to, the effect on the market can start to snowball though. When a, tra- a popular trainer starts off a meat well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. This will be fun. We'll look, you, let me know if there's any of these, as we talk it through that you, 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 uh, I'm not going to question you, but if there's any, you want to question yourself on, it's just kind of interesting just to understand the process. And, you know, as we go on, uh, and get towards breeders cup that I love that show we did last year. We'll have to do that again. when we discuss the making of that line. Cause those are, boy, that's another one that gets very, very, uh, very, very complicated. I imagine Are you going to be doing that again. Are you locked in for that? Or is that TBD? No, thankfully I'm not. So that's one where they use the line maker at the track that's hosting. Okay. So, um, which, which is good because it would, it would keep me from being able to play the BCBC and I want a seat already. So. Okay. Good. So, okay. Yeah. So that's a, that is, that is a net positive. Maybe we'll just have a, have a show discussing it then. Um, because, okay, that makes sense. Right. Cause you did Keeneland last year. All right. It all, it's all making sense now. All right. Let's dive in and talk about these races. I'm going to start off with race number seven. Kicking off this late pick five with a competitive looking two year old maiden race going six and a half on the turf. What numbers will be on your tickets? Yeah, I mean, you said competitive. It is a it's a very, very tough bunch. I, I made a, a pretty soft favorite in the seven in a jam. This is a situation where, you know, this is a horse that you could see the public really betting down hard. You could also see them being a little bit more conservative with him because it's not like we know enough about these horses form to say, Oh, he's significantly better than everybody else. Though his first turf race was very good. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you who I thought was interesting. Pete was the one Leginos uh, for uh, Steve Asmussen. And I know Steve Asmussen is not, not a known turf trainer clearly, but um, this is a good damn side, but Robert Spiegel has had horses with uh, Dave Donk and, and a couple of other trainers for a while. This Colt is a half division perfect, who of course did the majority of his damage on the racetrack with Jason Service. But uh, Progeny of Cantharos are 15% first out, 14% first time turf. And and there's real damn side pedigree there. And this is the kind of Asmussen horse I could take on the turf because you're just expecting them to break quickly and go. Yep. And I think if that's what's done... He becomes a, a much bigger contender. I also thought the 11 was a horse that you had to give some consideration. They really bet this cult down on debut to two to one for Eddie Keneally. And um, and he, he ran okay. You know, he didn't get out of the gate all that great. Ended up running kind of an even race. This is an excellent pedigree as well. Got to have her on the damn side. Was an accomplished a West Coast turf horse. So I'm expecting him to run better. Generally, a barn over the years has done better with horses with experience. And um, and Summer and Aiken was the other one I wanted to find a way to include. A Joe Sharp first-time starter by Summerfront. Likely a horse that he is going to need a race to get into peak fitness with just kind of a short work tab. But this felt like a horse that could uh, could maybe surprise at a bit of a price. 111.9 for Nick. I'm absolutely with you on the 11. Got to keep him. And the little the, my little pull on this was that all four of those siblings won second time out. So I'm expecting this one to follow a similar pattern, especially off the way he was bet first out. And I think he can improve to the to the needed level in here, potentially, and uh, maybe get the job done. I was also interested in second time starters, maybe, you know, more as backups. But the the six and the ten just looked like horses um, unexposed that had that opportunity potentially to improve. I was going to get them on on the B line, but a strong preference for me. In, with the 11 gotta keep him to uh to get things kicked off in this uh 
Keeneland, Keeneland, Kentucky Downs, Sunday pick five. Let's go to race number uh, eight, it would be. We've got an allowance race for Phillies and Mares, three and up. Interesting distance of a mile and five sixteenths here. And a couple I wanted to mention. I thought Good American could be interesting. Best race was going that mile and three eighths. So I feel like this added ground could potentially agree. This might just be a horse that has the right combination of speed and stamina to do well, be able to get position. And I was thinking she could just keep galloping and have an impact in this spot. I also wanted to mention the nine runner, uh, pretty provocative as one who I thought made a, maybe a little bit of a little bit of an early move last time in the race at Ellis and had an opportunity to, to maybe get the right kind of trip um, from off the pace for uh, the biscuit, Adam Biscitza in this spot. And I, I did think, I, I thought your guess at the price eight to one felt about right. Might be a place to, to try to get a little bit of value in this spot. I can go a lot of other ways, but I definitely wanted to mention the one and the nine. How do you see it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those where you want to, you have to kind of narrow your focus down. Otherwise you're going to get, a uh, little too spready, a little too quickly. So I thought uh, I thought the two lay the groundwork was a horse that I could warm up to. Second off the trainer changed to Riley Mod. I thought that she ran fine. This is a that eighth at Ellis from August nineteenth is a common race amongst a number of horses in here. And uh, lay the groundwork I thought ran you know well enough in the context of that race to get in a little traffic, but didn't didn't exactly wow anybody. Just a steady workman like effort. The horse I made the morning line favorite, the 4B, My Sunshine, I, I don't think is any great shake. She's a three-year-old now facing elders for the first time. But if you project any kind of move forward off a short layoff, um, I, she's a horse who should be pretty tough. I do think the two-back one other than at Keeneland is a good effort, and I'm expecting her to, to be pretty tough if she's able to run back to that. I, I agree with you. I thought Pretty Provocative was a kind of an eye-catching horse from that eighth on August 19th, it's unbelievable to me how many trainers end up putting union rags progeny on turf. And they're generally absolutely awful on turf. This yeah. is as much of a dirt pedigree as you're going to find stakes winning dam as well on dirt. But, uh, but this horse actually took the turf second time around quite a bit better. And with any kind of forward move could be dangerous as well. And the distance too for union rags could be the friend is I haven't pulled the numbers recently. Maybe I'll do that just for a laugh. As we talk at some point, weren't they like almost over the union rags on turf? It was, it was pretty stunning for a while. I think it's improved. It's, yeah. No, it's, it's been a low single digit percentage first time turf for a while. It's been very, yeah, 5%, very 5% turf sprint, 5% turf route. But for me, when they've run on it, that supersedes the, the, those, those rotten stats. And I was actually thinking that maybe distance would be the friend of a runner, like pretty provocative. That, oh, that's certainly. And, and, and believe me, I'm somebody that's of the opinion that when, when a horse has done something once, um, definitely if they've done it twice, the pedigree's irrelevant. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. You can't talk about what, what kind of pedigree a horse that's run twice long on dirt has, you know, or, or long on turf or whatever surface it is. It doesn't, it's irrelevant unless it's something different than what they've done. Correct. The, 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 the real form supersedes that stuff for me. The other thing was I thought that the other turf race from, from the nine was, I thought it was just excusable. Again, I was sort of rushed into a hot pace and we'll see how, uh, we'll see how pretty provocative and the rest get on there. Two, four and nine for Nick in the eighth, as we pivot to race number nine stakes action for the two-year-olds, Kentucky Downs, juvenile mile stakes. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, I mean, one of the big questions here is how well can uh, Aspenite run coming back on very short rest for Steve Asmussen, 
because uh, the Sun of Constitution ran very well in one of the restricted allowance races last week. It feels to me, Pete, like this is a race that should have a very fast pace. And, you know, I wonder if the horse that might just end up having the whole thing fall into his lap is Rose Collector for Kent Sweezy, who ran a very professional race at 30 to 1 on debut at Monmouth. Looks like a horse who legitimately can settle and make one run. And uh, and and things just might end up breaking his way. So I wanted to, to I thought this was the leg where you could get kind of cute. I wanted to use uh, Rose Collector. I wanted to use Michael McCarthy, second time starting Blue-Eyed George and the 11 Moselzil. And generally when I play races like this for a collapse, somebody wires. So as soon <laughs> as I say that, find the speed. <laughs> Aspenite, really, dude, that was the day I was there. And I bet Coin Miner, and I wouldn't have given you a nickel for my ticket as they were rushing up the hill. And Aspenite looked home and hosed down. Uh, but, but I've managed to uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory that day. That makes it hard for me to take Aspenite coming back and stretching out. So I saw it similarly to you. I was looking for somebody to come from off the pace, and I landed on on two of the same runners with, uh, with the eight, uh, Blue-Eyed George being my my top one, who I felt like uh, off that, that uh, closing effort, not, necess- not with the flow, on debut and a little bit of a trip in there too. This horse I think is supposed to probably move up and do a little bit, uh, do a little bit better. And, uh, and, and I definitely wanted my tickets. And then uh, Mazazil, another one I just thought was extremely logical for, uh, for Brad Cox, who has a, a good, good record in these kind of spots. And I thought was going to sit the right kind of trip to come make a run. The other one I wanted to throw in there was the, the six value engineer, I mean, might just get caught up in the pace, but I was wondering if different tactics might be employed and seem like a horse that, that you know, you don't have to pay that. Uh, you don't pay the ERAD tax as much in, uh, in Kentucky Downs. At least I haven't noticed that and, and seemed like a horse that I might want to have on side as one to lay just off and, and maybe prove best of speed and hang around for something. Eight, eleven, six for me, five, eight and eleven for Nick as we uh, proceed to more two-year-old stakes action, this time for the Phillies going this mile. Another race where there were a lot of, felt like there were a lot of stories you could tell, ways you could go. I put the one C dancer on top in this spot, who I thought was, you know, good ground-saving trip, and I thought moved into the fastest part of that race last time against Latte Lizzie and... I just like the fact that the horse run effectively long and might be a little bit better than the bear paper suggests. I wanted that one. I wasn't going to ignore Latte Lizzie, who might have been a little bit more with the flow of that race and has the lengths to find with Sea Dancer. But I felt like that form tied in closely enough. And this one, you know, nothing expected on debut being 18 to 1. Interesting spot for her. May just be a guess by, by them. But again, without having to pay some huge Chad Brown or Rad Ortiz tax, felt like one to keep on side and then austere brendan walsh one on debut um took a little bit of money barn absolutely flying just felt like a smart one to keep on side i mean if if, especially if going to be double digit odds so i I thought that was that was the way that i was going to approach it one seven and six what do you think yeah i mean i i thought this was uh this was an exceptionally tough leg. You've just got a lot of horses that look like they could contend. I had no issue with any of your three. It felt to me like they were all, um, in addition to having run well enough recently, all horses from Barnes, whose horses are going to get better as time goes by. You know, we're not talking about a, a Wesley Ward type. 
that was going to have be really, really cranked first time out. Um, interestingly, yeah, Latte Lizzie was a horse who really didn't take a dime on debut. And part of it was because her stablemate Nikitas went off 11 to 10. And of course, right. Nikitas came back and missed by a beak in uh, in a closing weekend uh, maiden special on the dirt. And I guess Chad Brown determined after telling the world how well Nikitas was training prior to her debut that she's probably just a dirt horse. And uh, I, I thought Latte Lizzie ran definitely an, an inferior race to uh, to see Dancer. And uh, I, I will say as well that I've been uh, pretty impressed by the work in general that Bill Morey has done since he's relocated his stable eastward. And his horses seem to fire more often than not. This is a horse who ran better with more ground. And I, I think she's clearly the one to beat. I, I don't necessarily love the situation where she'll have to work out a trip from the rail. I am not going to pronounce the four horses name. I heard John and Brielle say it first time out and it looks, it sounds nothing like it looks. It's and not Kamikaze Umagi. No, no, not the three. Or oh, wait, did I number these horses wrong? The four. Oh, I, I might've just grabbed horse. Oh, Kinane. Kinane. Is that what it is? Okay. Yes. That, that looks a lot easier than I thought. Yeah. Um, I only know that because this horse ran at Ascot and everyone at, Sky Sports Racing was like, "Pete, find out what the how they say this." And I ran, I, I got the, I got Matt Wolfendale to, uh, to say it for me, and I just happened to remember. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that's good. It's Irish, right? Or yeah, I think it's, I think that's, I forget what it means, but yeah, it's, it's like a Gaelic pronunciation. Or yeah. Something like that. Um. Anywho, you know that that horse is one that at least is worthy of mention because she won pretty impressively first time out, came right back and and beat. Uh, or beat Sam's treasure in doing so horse that came back and won very impressively, albeit on dirt at Saratoga and then had the misfortune of running into Crimson Advocate at, uh, at Ascot and didn't really put much of an effort forth, but now goes long in a race that, you know, unlike the, the boys half of this 40 minutes earlier, this race isn't exactly loaded with speed, Pete. And so you wonder if maybe, you know, Javier gets a little ambitious out of the gate, puts this horse on the lead. I'm not going to be surprised if she hangs on a little bit longer than some are expecting. I'll tell everybody one other thing. And if you listen to this prior to the Saturday card, it, it could be prescient. It could be useless. When they've gone to the zero rail in the past, I'm like the world's biggest advocate for this. The inside's been good. Last year, it wasn't nearly as pronounced. In 2021, it was a giant bias. I mean, it was a bias that you, it was actionable as far as, as what you could do moving forward with horses that lost ground. So just something to keep in mind, not not uh, something that I'm going to say is a certainty to happen. And when that happened, of course, not only horses drawn inside, but speed was very good. And yep. if you notice that that's the case, then then obviously take that into consideration. Um, uh, if you, I, I think the 10 Kodiak Wintergreen is a horse that probably isn't going to stretch out all that great. She just has the look of that one run closing sprinting type to me. And, and so I would be willing to take a little bit more of a stand against her, even though it breaks my heart into a million pieces to not pick or bet every Alex Bregman horse. Um, <laughs> the Astros fan uh, comes through. I, I kid a little bit, but um, <laughs> I did think that two horses that I wanted to, you talked at length about Latte Lizzie and, um, and I did mention uh, Sea Dancer, two horses that I wanted to at least mention. I know Beautiful Dancer got a set up in a slow fig last time out. This is a gun runner out of a really, really nice uh, Jack Oxley uh, turf mare, Dream Dancing, who really wasn't around that long ago. She ran as recently as 2018. The fact that this horse ran as well as she did first time turf as a gun runner, I think means that she probably has some upside. 
as great a sire as Gunrunner is. I mean, they're pretty much all dirt horses. And the other one I wanted to talk a little bit about was the Nine Mofox Given, which is a phenomenal name. It is good. And, um, and this is a horse who ran very well at 49 to 1. Kelsey Danner's a very underrated trainer, really slipping under the radar, but doing some good work on the turf. This felt like a horse to me that could get a little bit better as time went by as well. So I'm going to... I'm going to take the approach that I do think that Kinane is capable of wiring this field. And, and I'm going to, my, my primary horses are the one and three. I'm going to mainly back up with the five and nine. And, and if a horse like Latte Lizzie wins and improves this much second time out, I think I'm willing to lose. So one and four. So four, the four, four is, four. I'm sorry. Yeah. I keep screwing up this. Uh, and this then, name. and then who was the, give me those backups one more time. Uh, I would back up with five, six, nine, five, six and nine. Yeah. Kinane, Definitely bred to handle this. The only thing I don't love, and oh, and and also the form of that Queen Mary, white hot. This has been like four next out winners out of that race, at least. And I just don't love that she was going to sprint at Saratoga in that stake. Oh, no, she wasn't going to sprint. She was going to stretch out in the, uh, is it the P.G. Johnson? Yes, it's the P.G. Yes. Johnson of the Phillies one. And, and I guess that got rained off. So, I mean, this is a totally sensible plan, B. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I need some Kinane in, in, in my life in this race, too, because just, you know, based on the, based on the obvious talent. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw that one in as well. And I think we can, I think we can try to beat Kodiak Wintergreen. This is, um, this is a tough, this is a tough stretch out from five and a half to a mile, especially for like a closing sprinter type. But I do think you're probably right that a lot of the money is going to go in, the, in that direction. It's a really, really interesting race. I'm very much looking forward to, to these stakes. I'll be on Sky Sports Racing for those listening internationally, and we'll, we'll cover all these again. Let's talk about race number 11. We've got a, a field of 12 to close things out in the with oversubscribed field of 12. Maiden, special weight. We're going seven furlongs on the turf. And I had a couple of ideas. I felt like uh, the 12, Sunset Town, looks to me to be bred for turf on both sides. We're, we're both trying to wake up Steve Asmussen in this late pick five sequence. Hopefully, hopefully one or both of them can win. It's a long layoff, but I think he's capable of that and and this is just one who i think is supposed to do better on turf and and if anywhere near ready to fire and uh gaff getting aboard six or eight to one i i think this is a horse i definitely want to have on side and bay lounge or long long how do we say this horse it's not lounge is it is it long way something like that yeah second time as a gelding second time off the long layoff well drawn has not run to the par figure yet, but I think there's a lot of reason why this horse is going to get a good trip and get the job done potentially. I'm on. Uh, I'm one inside, and I'm, I'm I'm inside out here. One and twelve. How about you, my friend? Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned the par figure, and it's worth mentioning. I mean, this is you know, with all due respect to to the field. I mean, this is a very weak field for a maiden special at Kentucky Downs. It's just one that came up on the softer side. I, I had no issue with either of your horses. I wanted to mention the three stonks. First time Mike Maker. This could be a, a horse who's a candidate to improve coming eastward. Hasn't really run all that well at any point. But again, speed figure wise, he's not far off the other horses in here that are contenders. I also did think the four Tunisian Spring was dangerous for Wesley Ward. His barn's been very cold as well, and his horses are really not taking money. Uh, but the dam was a three time turf winner. She's dropped a turf winner, Progeny of Violence, 
our 20% first time out. I wanted to give Gold Franck another try as well. I didn't think that he ran that bad to Northern Invader two starts back and then came back with a somewhat dull effort. American Know How did come out of that and run well next time out. So did Cigarette Boat. So he was one that I wanted to at least give a little bit of consideration. But yeah, tough, tough race to really formulate a, a huge opinion. I'll mainly have kind of the one, th- one four five and a little three twelve as backups uh, in, in that nightcap. I'm coming to the point where I'm ready to question the figure on that Northern Invader race, given there was a winner that came out of it from far back in the field, but it feels like the horses that ran have all come back and regressed 10 or 12 points. That was my one question with Goldfrog. Yep. Fair point. Definitely. The horse wins by a blowout margin on turf. It's always, always a situation where you can run into problems with the fig. Yeah. So we'll see though. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the idea of Goldfrog in that spot in that spot either. So yeah, let's see how it, uh, how it turns out. Uh, opening Sunday of the NFL season didn't prep you for this at all, but you have any uh, you have any strong opinions? Will you be Will you be getting involved there? Uh, you know I could see that happening. Uh, I like Atlanta minus the points against Carolina, and I would uh, I would happily take the ten with the Texans. I think they're going to keep it close against Baltimore. Okay, I like I like those two thoughts. My biggest question for Sunday is which of these. It's so confusing. All the I, I went to YouTube to look to buy the NFL Sunday ticket package, and there's like, there's just it, it, there's so many choices. I have no idea what to do, and now I'm just feeling paralyzed. What what did you? Uh, are, are you a Sunday ticket person? I'm a red zone guy, so I, I'm I'm more of a of just keeping it simple. I'll red zone, and then if there's a team who I want to watch that I didn't get to see enough of, they usually replay all the games on NFL Network, so I'll DVR it and watch those back. That's very cool. Well, that's great. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk some NFL throughout the season. Really want to do just a little bit more. Dip, you know, so many other places are so far ahead of us in terms of gambling content. The the show that all nominate number one with a bullet in their thirteenth year, and honestly, somebody who I've stolen so much of my act from is uh, Gil Alexander from Beating the Book. Absolutely must listen podcast stuff. But I I don't mind the idea of doing a little bit more. Uh, dipping our toe into into some NFL waters around here. It's a great uh, great betting product as well. Nick, thank you so much. Really appreciate the, everything you do over at In The Money Media, and we'll be talking to you very soon. Sounds great, my friend. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Good luck, everybody. For Nick Tamaro, for our friends over at Kentucky Downs, this show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>